Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening! Now, on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 21, Graduation Day, Part 1. So, Stephanie, what were your colors at graduation? Red and red. Just like red, I think. I don't I think I was going to say red and white, but I don't think we had white. It was just red. <laughs> Your school could only afford one color. <laughs> we weren't rich Sunnydale High students. We were <laughs> Thunder Bay, small school, small town kind of colors. Uh, yeah, it was like a bright red. It also didn't do anything for my complexion. <laughs> what were your colors? <laughs> uh, black and orange. Where did you graduate from? Westgate. Yeah, because Fort William closed, right? Yeah, they were blue and gold. They yeah, blue and gold would have been nice. And they, the, the school always played Eye of the Tiger for Spirit Days, and they did not have the license to that. <laughs> uh, what what an episode. I, I, I mean, maybe we would talk about it at the end, perhaps. But something was supposed to happen in this episode that didn't, and I was, like, waiting for it. <laughs> so when it didn't come, I realized... I don't know this episode at all. Like this episode was like basically a new episode to me. I, I, so many things happened in it that I don't recall ever watching before. I just, I kept having this like electric tingle as I watched the episode because I'm like, we're here. Like this is it. This episode and the next one. And then we're done season three. And whatever people have to say about this season, and we'll get into this when we do our wrap up, but this is a, it's a really good season. And it's it's the end of an era, because as we go into season four, they're going to college, and that alters the dynamic. It alters what the show is about, even. So there is a sense of, like, endings in this episode, as well as the, the next one. And I'm curious to see kind of what we make of that as we talk about it and break down the different characters. Just like in real life, you might say, <laughs> you leave high school and nothing's ever the same. I do want to shout it back to two weeks ago, because last week, of course, was our interview with Kendara. And then our last recap episode was prom. And pff, every once in a while, like not every day, but every other day, I have something that I call like Stephanie's epiphanies, where something comes to me that might have been very obvious to the entire world but not me. And it just comes to me really fast and hard. And I just like, <gasps> and I have one of those moments. I had one of those literally driving home half an hour ago to come meet you, Kara. In the prom, you know, like we were talking about how Buffy got that umbrella, the umbrella keepsake of class protector. It occurred to me, I was like, it was an umbrella because it prote umbrella protects people from the rain. It protects you. It gives you shelter. And Yes, this is obvious so far, Steph. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, I never thought about it i was like oh my god well, of course it's an umbrella well, like, welcome what? to joining the rest of us thank you <laughs> thank you very much everyone i'm, I'm here with you it took me two weeks later but i was like oh my god that's why it's an umbrella and it never wow can't wait for more of stephanie epiphanies to come in the future steph epiphanies yeah <laughs> this is steph epiphany exactly 
yeah, so that was good for me. And now I'm ready to talk about graduation day part one. So what's going on at Sunday Day High? We open on maroon grad caps. Cordelia and Xander are commenting on them. And Cordelia's like, I can't believe this loser look. And she had lobbied for Teal. But she's a lone fashionable wolf in this school. And my question to you right off the bat, Kara, is they got to choose? They get to choose their school colors? I don't think so. I think she just, she it was just Cordelia being like, <laughs> Principal Snyder, like, we deserve teal. And he'd be like, get out of my office. Yeah, not the yellow and maroon that the rest of the school wears. Uh, I mean, if the school is selling tainted candy to buy band uniforms, they're not spending any money on grad stuff. True, 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 true. So <laughs> Xander um, says he likes maroon. He has dignity. Cordelia says, dignity? You? In relation to clothes? I'm awash in a sea of confusion. And it's interesting. I, I like that they're having, you know, it's it's banter. It's, it's a little bit on the mean side, but that's n- nothing compared to what they've done in the past. So it's it's held up what happened in the last episode. Like Xander and Cordelia are now friends. And Xander says that he wants to look respectable because he's probably going to die in it. He woke up that day with this feeling in his gut and he just knows that there's no way he's getting out of the school alive. Cordelia says that, you know, he's mastered the, the power of positive giving up. <laughs> and um, Xander just says like, yeah, my number's up. You know what I mean? Like I just, I survived too many times. I've been too lucky. We cut to Willow who's signing a Mitch's yearbook. And she's like, we'll keep in touch. And Harmony, who we haven't seen in so long, comes up to her and she's like, Willow, sign my yearbook. And Willow's like, yeah, sign mine. And they're like, <laughs> sign. They're having a little bit of conversation as they sign. Harmony is like really earnest and like smiling at Willow. And she's like, I wish we could have gotten to know each other better. Willow's like, yeah, me too. And Harmony's like, you're so smart. I always wanted to be like that. And Willow's <laughs> like, thanks, you're so sweet, you know? And um, then Harmony's like, I hope we don't lose touch. And Willow's like, we'll hang out. And then they leave. And Buffy's like, I thought you hated her. Because Willow's like, oh, I'm going to miss her. And Willow says, oh, yeah, I hate her with a fiery vengeance. She picked on me for 10 years, the vacuous tramp. And (laughs) that's funny because it's true. Like, there's no way that Willow, if Willow doesn't barely likes Cordelia, there's no way she likes Harmony. Oh, that, that yearbook scene rings so true to me i remember going through that same mania when i was graduating high school so many years ago right like there's something just comes over you where it's like you have all these random people that you barely know signing your yearbook they barely know your name and it's always like you know you rock don't ever change (laughs) and i was looking at my high school yearbook recently i pulled it out to show to my best friend whom i did not know in high school and we were looking it over and Like, there were some very heartfelt and genuine messages in there from people. So it's like, I'm glad I have it. But at the same time, like, part of this episode, at least the beginning of it, is really depicting that whole, like, senioritis, where it's like, they're done, right? They've finished their exams, but they somehow still have school left because the American school system has a weird schedule. Um, And it's, it's like, they're just marking time until graduation day. It just so happens that for the Scoobies they know that in addition to graduation, something more serious is happening on graduation day. And I think what we're seeing from like Xander and Willow are two different manifestations of how they're processing that. Xander is using, you know, his glib humor to telegraph his fear. He's like, I think I might die. And he's very afraid of that. So he's using his humor to kind of like make it into a joke. Willow is throwing herself into these end of high school graduation rituals that everybody's engaged in 
as a distraction from her terror of what's going to come on graduation day. Mm, yep, you're so right. And also, if we think about Cordelia, too, like Cordelia's checked out. Cordelia's like, oh, I wish we had teal, like whatever. Um, and then we see later in this episode, she's like, are you skipping that period? Like, oh, okay, I don't really care what you're saying. I'm, I'm checked out. I'm leaving. I'm going to leave in two weeks, and that's it. Um, so, so it's like what you're saying. Willow is admitting that she's caught up. It's like a sickness, she says. Like, she's missing everything, even PE. And... Buffy says it is contagious. It's like what you're saying, Kara. The the whole senior class is changing into the 60s without war and hairy armpits. Like everyone's like lovey-dovey to each other. And Buffy's not feeling it. She says she doesn't feel this whole graduation thing. She doesn't get it. Like nothing changes after you get your piece of paper. And she doesn't even think she's going to go. And Willow's saying goodbye to the cold drink machine. Remember the cold drink machine, Gara, that we've known so well? <laughs> I do. That was, it's, it's played lots of important roles in many an episode as monsters roam through Sunnydale High. Exactly. And um, then Willow says, like, what do you mean you're not going to go? And Buffy says, the Ascension, the mayor's becoming a demon. He's going to snack on the, on the populace. So she can't go to graduation and fight the mayor at the same time. And that's when Xander comes and says, didn't you hear? Guess who our commencement speaker is? And Buffy's like, the mayor at graduation, 100 helpless kids to feed on. Got any other surprises for us? And I'm just going to bring it up now because obviously they deal with the idea that mayor, the mayor is going to be at graduation. That's where the whole thing is going to go down. I was like, why don't you just cancel graduation? <laughs> Snyder would love, never let that happen. Come on. I know, but like, just, just don't go. Everyone just don't go. I think there's also something to be said about knowing your enemy's plan, right? Like if they cancel graduation, that doesn't stop the mayor's ascension. It just means that he's now going to be doing it somewhere they don't know about and maybe can't control as much. Yeah, it's true. Uh, why do you think Buffy is so blasé about graduation? She's heartbroken. She's still, yeah, well, she's still heartbroken over Angel for sure. I'm just curious because if we're, we're putting all the Scoobies into these different boxes of what it might be like to graduate for students and the current situation. But Buffy just is like, I don't get it. Like, it's whatever. Like, who cares? Like I, like I said in our recap of prom, I don't think Buffy thinks she's going to survive. Mm. I think that she thinks she's going to take the mayor with her. And, you know, yes, she's accepted her admission to UC Sunnydale and maybe a part of her hopes that she survives but i think that there's a part of her who's like this like graduation itself doesn't matter to me because i'm always going to be the slayer no matter what and even if i survive it's like is there even any point of me going to college you know mm. because the slayer duty is always going to show up again i think this is the logical termination of the ambivalence that we saw the past three seasons where buffy struggled to accept that she's the slayer and has these responsibilities and we saw her achieve almost a balance in this season. But because of the interplay between her and Faith, because she's now off kilter because of breaking up with Angel, there's just so much going on in her life that I think that she's succumbing to this despair of, I can't have a normal life. I can't be a normal teenager. So we're, we've lost that sense of balance that we previously had achieved. Yeah. I agree with that, too. And uh, even her saying, like, nothing changes. You're right. Nothing's going to change for Buffy. She's going to keep doing what she's doing because she's a slayer. Uh, we cut to a nice old man answering his door. And Faith is there. And she's like, is Professor Worth there? And she says that she works for the mayor. And he, the man invites her in. And he's like, well, I'm surprised when he called. I didn't expect a politician to be interested in my research. And he calls himself Lester. 
And Faith asks, oh, are we alone here, Lester? And he's like, well, yes, like lifelong bachelor. <laughs> it's like, what's going to happen right now? It's like, dude, he, dude, she's like really, really young. And oh, also, you think he's sitting on her? <laughs> well, I, I think he thinks she's coming on to her, right? He's like, he, he was a little bit taken aback at first, but he's warming up to it even as he's saying that he lives alone. It's just like... Dude. Dude, that's gross. I, I didn't read it that way. I read Lester as the nicest old man you could ever met you'd ever guess. And then when he's like, Oh, she's asking if I'm alone, it's cause she's lonely too and wants to have a nice cup of tea and chat. So Faith takes out a knife and she's like, You wanna turn and face the wall, Lester? And poor Lester is like, What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, He put that away, I'll scream. And she's like, Who wouldn't? And <laughs> pushes him against the wall. He begs for his life and she says sorry friend boss wants you dead and the man says why and she says you know i never thought to ask and we hear her stab him and him like fall to the ground and uh rest in peace lester cut to credits <laughs> uh we cut to the mayor he is tidying up faith's apartment and <laughs> he's like you know like folding folding the blankets and like fluffing the pillows and making everything nice. She's off screen and telling him that everything went smoothly with Mr. Worth and the mayor saying, are you ever going to come out? And Faith does come out and Faith is wearing a pink sundress and she's looking super uncomfortable. And the mayor sits down and says, wow, like, aren't you a vision? And Faith is like, I feel stupid in this. And he's like, no, no, you look lovely, perfect for the ascension. Any boys who manage to survive will be lining up to ask you out. And Faith is like, it's not me, right? And it's, she's so right, it's so not her. And the mayor says, nobody knows what you are, not even you, little miss seen it all. The ascension isn't just my day, it's yours to blossom and show the world what a powerful girl you are. Think about what you've done, what you will do. And he's like brushing her hair out of her face and he's being so fatherly and he says, no father could be prouder. And Faith says, I hope I don't let you down. And the mayor says, impossible. Now change back into your street clothes. I'll buy you an icy, yay. Um, ooh, this is, this is interesting because the mayor clearly has affection for Faith, but at the same time, he's still manipulating her so that she'll stay loyal to him. And I just, this dynamic is so great. Like, it's just such an interesting thing to watch on screen. Like, this relationship between the two of them. I find it very, very entertaining. I've never seen as much of the nefarious aspect to their relationship until this rewatch, because I haven't thought about it as hard. And it is terrifying how Faith now has blindly put all her trust and faith in this guy. Like, I don't want to let you down. She's letting him dress her. He's letting him, <laughs> like, tidy up after her like a father. And it's just it's just complicated and messy and wonderful. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to reserve most of my thoughts for when we do Faith on Trial, because I think we have so much to say about the mayor's relationship with Faith. I do think it's an open question of whether or not he actually cares for her. I think there's lots of evidence both for and against that assertion. Um, and I will reveal what I think in Faith on Trial. But for now, I'm going to say, I think there's a way to read this where instead of seeing the mayor as being genuinely concerned for Faith, what we're seeing is the mayor entertaining a sick fantasy where he's about to turn into some kind of weird, massive demon, right? He's not going to be human anymore. And we know he's lived a very long time. He watched the love of his life 
grow old and die. He might have had kids with her at some point. They probably grew old and died. The mayor has been disconnected from his humanity for a long time. I think what he saw in Faith when she showed up at his doorstep was an opportunity for him to take one last stab, if you will, at playing at being human, playing at being the father figure that he maybe once was with his kids, you know? And he's like, I know I'm out. I'm on my way out in a hundred days. Let's just have a little bit of fun before I leave. Cause he knows that after his ascension, he's going to exist on this higher plane. He's not going to care about these human things anymore. So he's like, I, I want to feel this one more time before I go on to my next big thing. I agree 100%. Um, and that's why it's so fascinating to watch. That's why he's like giving it his all. He's given 110% over here as a father. And it's it's just interesting. So we, we cut to school. Um, and like Willow's riding a bike and there's like music playing. It's so high school. We haven't seen something like this in a while for the show. Um, she's locking her bike up when Percy the jock comes over to her and says he got a B minus on his history final. And he's super excited. He's thanking her for helping him be and being so patient and not kicking his ass like she did at the bronze that one time. And Willow starts to tell him that, you know, that actually wasn't me. But really, she says, that was for your own good. Um, Oz joins them while Willow's telling Percy that history is important. And he's like, I get that. I got the grades. I'm graduating tomorrow. Forget all this crap. And as he goes, Oz says on the bright side, after graduation, he may not have a chance to forget it all. Just trying to keep things light. And Willow says she doesn't want the mayor eating Percy in the whole class. And she says we have to find a spell or something to stop the ascension because Willow only thinks that magic is the way to solve shit. And Oz says, we will. And they walk off. So we cut to class. Um, there's a teacher teaching a class. We've never seen this teacher before, but I, I like believe that he survived the Hellmouth High School. I really do. Because <laughs> Xander's sneaking in and the teacher like <laughs> says, thanks for joining us, Mr. Harris. And he realizes that, that, you know, all these students have finished their finals and they're ready to move on, but you haven't graduated yet. And this is still a class and everyone will participate. Mr. Harris, would you care to begin? And Xander's like, E? And it's because the teacher, he's playing hangman with the class. And he's like, there's no E. They always go for the E. As he like he's like it. cackling, like, <laughs> I'm so much smarter than all of these dumb high school students. Yeah. Also, can, can we just take a moment to reflect on how, like, twisted it is that we used to play a game as kids where you'd like draw somebody hanging from a gibbet like ugh. yeah what are the origins of hangman um i still play I hangman don't know. i play hangman in, in cars i play hangman when i'm bored it's great <laughs> it's a great game turns out anya's in this class she's sitting next to xander and she's asking him if he's free this weekend because maybe they could do some entertaining thing so she's asking him on a date and i was like okay anya so him like grimacing and like treating you poorly all through prom night was enough for you to be like i still want to hang out with this guy <laughs> so xander is kind of blowing her off here too he's like if whatever you want to do this weekend is along the lines of you telling me about all the men you destroyed back in your demon days, pencil me in. And he's being super sarcastic. And Anya's like, 
we could watch sports of some kind. Men like sports. I'm sure of it. And Xander says, yes, men like sports. They watch the action movie. They eat of the beef and enjoy to look at the bosoms. 1,000 years of avenging our wrongs. And that's all you've learned. And I was like, Xander, wow. Do you not like the feeling of being put inside a box? <laughs> like, Do you not like the feeling of being treated as your gender is viewed? <laughs> Like, if you don't like it, stop doing it to people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think what Jesus. makes this scene so funny, right, is like before we had Xander and Cordelia had something between them. And it was this oddball pairing where Xander was the less cool one. Now we have Xander and Anya. And, and Anya's social status is a little bit unclear because at first she was trying to hang out with Cordelia and the cool kids, but it seemed like she didn't like that. So it's not really clear where her place is in the high school hierarchy. But... At the moment, it's like she's desperate to get with Xander. And that is such a reversal, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, although I will say, like, Xander, your track record isn't great here. Because we had Miss French, who was a she-mantis. And then Cordelia was normal. But the now it's like... The income mommy girl. The income mommy girl. Sorry, I forgot about that one. Cordelia, as far as we know, is human. But now it's like... He's got this ex-vengeance demon after him. It's like Xander. Like, <laughs> why is it always the monster girls you're hanging out with? I know. And the fact that like she's so awkward is like turning him off. But I'm like, yeah, but Anya's new to human life. So what is your fucking excuse, Xander? And Anya's saying like, she's trying. She says, she's trying and you don't need to take my head off. And actually, this is very, very strange. Xander hears that and he says he's sorry. He's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, What? Did I just hear an apology from Xander Harris's mouth? You did. So, okay, <laughs> so Xander says sorry, and he says, like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to next weekend. I'll tell you what, I survived the ascension, and maybe you and I could do some sort of something sports-related. But Anya has, her face has fallen, and she's now super serious because he said ascension. So he's like, what? And we cut to the library where Buffy is showing Giles and Wesley a, a news article in the Sunnydale paper about the professor who was found murdered. And Buffy says this is Faith's work. And Wesley and Giles are fencing each other during this scene. And Giles doesn't even need to look up to block <laughs> Wesley's attack. It's so hot. And what they're finding out from the article is that Lester Worth was a visiting professor of geology. And my question to you, Cara, is did it look like he was visiting in that apartment that he was in, <laughs> that Faith broke into? Uh, because it looked like he was like a resident. But Wesley thinks it could be a random killing because everyone seems to be going mad lately and Faith had a head start. Well, so visiting professor just means like he's not there permanently, right? But like oh. he might be there for like months, maybe the whole academic year, right? So it's like he's probably kind of settled into the place. It's just he's not going to be there as a permanent position. Okay, okay. I was thinking that like he just showed up that weekend because the mayor invited him or mm -hmm. some shit. I, I also want to point out, Giles is super cash in this scene. He's got like a sweater on instead of his normal like School's suit. out. Uh, yeah, like it, it's, it's interesting. I'm like, what's up with the casual look, Giles? Maybe they just really want to juxtapose him against Wesley. They really want to separate, oh, like, you know, make it look different yeah, okay. from him. 
Buffy says that um, she thinks this was homework. The mayor wanted the professor out of the way, but why? And Giles says Lester has something or knew something. And Buffy wants to know what. So Wesley says, by attempting to keep a valuable clue from us, the mayor may have inadvertently led us right to it. And he's so smug when he says that. And I love that Buffy says, we already got there. (laughs) Like, we've already said that. (laughs) So... Wesley goes, says, go to the apartment and report back if there's anything to note. And Buffy says, well, I just love it when you take charge, you man, you. (laughs) And Giles says, "Um, be careful in case Faith shows up. And Buffy says, she won't. She's not much for follow-up. And Giles says that Faith has Buffy at a disadvantage because Buffy's not crazy, basically, and doesn't kill people. And Buffy says, I can't kill her. You're right. Like, fun as it may sound, but I can make her cry uncle. And I mean to. And Wesley, again, repeats what they just said. He says, don't let your feelings interfere with your work. Faith is a footnote. Keep up, Wesley. (laughs) Right? Like, again, like, Wesley, you're just saying shit that's already been said. I also like how Wesley says after Buffy's like, yeah, okay, I'll, like, I love it when you take charge. He's like, I can't tell. I can't keep track. Like, are you going to do it or not? Are you going to follow my orders or not? Like, Wesley, at this point... And this scene exists because it contrasts later in the episode when Mm -hmm. there's a very important, you know, moment for the whole series. Uh, And and Buffy's tone with Wesley is quite different, right? We'll get there. But that's why this scene exists is because they need to remind us of the low regard with which everybody holds Wesley so that for the rest of the episode, you know, as he tries to help and then he's not successful and he still doesn't get it. That's what we need to remember here. Uh, yeah, for sure. That dynamic is really important to stretch out here so we can evaluate it later. And faith is basically a footnote is what he's saying. Faith is a footnote and our priority is stopping the ascension. Xander comes in and says, you guys want to know about the ascension? Well, meet the only living person who's ever been to one. And Anya is with him. So we cut to Anya who's telling her story. And her story is that 800 years ago, in the Koskov Valleys of the Urals, a sorcerer achieved ascension and became the embodiment of the demon Lohesh. Anya was there cursing a shepherd who had been unfaithful. Lohesh decimated the village within hours. Maybe three people got out. And she's seen some horrible things in her time, been the cause of most of them, but this was something else. And Wesley says, Lohesh was a four-winged soul killer. I was given to understand that they're not that fierce of all the demons that we faced. And I was like, Wesley, don't mansplain demons to Anya, an ex-demon, please. Well, again, it's it's Wesley trying to make himself the important person in the room. Here's the thing. Giles never did that. Even back when Giles was Mr. Book Exposition Guy, right? It was never like, he. I, I have to demonstrate my worth to people. He had some confidence here. And I, I feel sorry for Wesley, right? Because... He showed up in Sunnydale thinking he was going to be the big guy on campus. He was going to be the watcher. The Slayer was going to obey him. I Honestly, I think the council set him up for failure. Like, I'm pretty sure they didn't warn him how uh, truculent Buffy could be. And nothing has worked out for him. So, like, I don't, I agree. Like, I don't like what he's doing in this scene. But, you know, I'm just like, I understand, Wesley. Like, nobody's really treated you very well. It's true. If he is younger, like a younger leader, like Giles would have had uh, the maturity to know not to just interrupt with that, right? Usually Giles would sit back and, and like think to himself and then he would say something helpful. So 
Anya says that you guys have never seen a demon. And Buffy's like, she like raises her hand and she's like, uh, excuse me, like killing them professionally for four years running. <laughs> and Anya says, all the demons that walk the earth are tainted, human hybrids like vampires. The ascension means that a human becomes pure demon. They're different. For one, they're bigger. So in the quad, Snyder is touring the mayor for graduation day. He's like, this is where the kids are going to sit. This is where the parents are going to be. This is the agenda. And the mayor is super happy about this. He's like, all kids must show up. And if they don't come, they don't get a diploma. Pretty sure you're not allowed to do that, mayor. Yeah. Like, like at our graduation, the diplomas were fake. You you got your diploma mailed to you. The mayor tells Snyder to call him Richard. Ooh, that's a big deal for Snyder, too. He's like, first name basis. He says he's done a great job. And he's like, I know things are, well, you know, different in Sunnydale. But what's important is we keep it under control. And that's what you've done. And Snyder's like, I believe in order. <laughs> and the mayor says, Sunnydale owes you a debt and you will be repaid. You, yes, sir. Mark the, that invoice. Paid in full. What could he mean? What could he mean? I, again, I think at this point, the mayor has checked out. He does not care. Um, once he ascends... He doesn't care what happens to Sunnydale. Remember, he built this town. This whole town exists because of his desire to ascend. Once he's done that, he could care less what actually happens with Sunnydale, right? Because he's, he's checking out. So I think for now, because he spent so many years in this jovial mayor persona, I think he's just kind of like cranked it up to 11 because he's feeling a little hyper. You know that feeling? When you're kind of anticipating a big win, whether it's at your job or, mm -hmm. you know, personally or whatever, it's like you start getting a little hyper and you start kind of like looking for outlets for that energy, right? The mayor can't wait. He can't wait. Graduation is so close. His ascension is so close. So he's just like, yeah, Snyder, like, great job, man. Like, <laughs> you're so great. Because what else is he going to do with all this energy? And that explains the next scene. Absolutely. Right? Because yeah. we go to the library and we've got Oz and Willow coming in. And Willow sees Anya there, right? And she's like, how come evil girl's in the mix? Because if there's anything we've learned about Willow, and we'll talk about this in the season three wrap-up, is she hates anybody who pays any attention to Xander and is also a girl. Yes. Right? Um, and Giles fills them in. You know, Anya witnessed an ascension. Um, and Buffy remembers that awful box of spiders that we saw previously. Um, that Buffy had to steal, actually, and then give back because Willow got herself caught. Sorry. <laughs> God. Um, and Anya's like, oh, I don't know anything about eating spiders. That sounds gross. Which, <laughs> fair. And then the mayor walks into their inner sanctum, the library. What a violation. Right? This is a violation. This is the, like the gull, the gull of this man. The fact that you just said, Kara, that he is walking around the school. He's got all this energy that he needs to get out of. At this point, he's gloating. He's like, this time tomorrow, I'm fucking ascending. I am going to just walk right into this area that we see as a safe zone for the Scoobies. This is where the Scoobies go to regroup. And we've seen vampires in there. They've been attacked in there. But the big bad does not enter the library like well, this. And he's walking in, right? And Buffy can't do anything. Uh, there's She's not powerful in this moment, right? He knows he holds all the cards. So um, Buffy very, you know, cleverly hides the, the paper mentioning Professor Lester's murder. Mm -hmm. um, and the mayor is, he's holding court, basically, right? Like, he's, he knows he has everybody's attention. He likes being the center of attention. 
Uh, so he's like, oh, you know, it's great that young people are still interested in reading. <laughs> um, he picks up a book seemingly at random and he reads from it because, again, like Giles just leaves the good stuff lying around the library all day and says, the beast will walk upon the earth and darkness will follow. The several races of men will be as one in their terror and destruction. And he gives this creepy smile and he's like, oh, that's sweet. Different races coming together. That's not the message here mr mayor <laughs> that's not what we're saying yeah and buffy yeah. to her credit right like she stands up to him like she did to the master and she's like you never even get a little tired hearing yourself speak do you and the mayor doesn't talk to her and i notice this he talks to giles he says that's one spunky little girl you've raised and then he says i'm going to eat her which is a terrifying line but i want to emphasize he didn't speak to Buffy. It's the same thing that happened in, what was it, Choices? Choices, yeah, with Angel. Yeah, he mm -hmm. spoke to Angel, right? And I think that's an interesting note there. Do you have any theory as to why he seems so reluctant to talk to Buffy directly? We talked about that in Choices too when I pointed out, I'm like, okay, well, he's not, he's talking to Angel. He already had a relationship with Angel from a previous episode, but he doesn't have a relationship with Giles. This is his first time meeting him. So a part of me thinks it's authority, like, Giles is the oldest man in the library. Angel's older than the mayor. So I just feel like he's talking to them because he sees Buffy as a little girl. But then yeah. I, I also think that's interesting that he treats Faith the way he treats her as a, as a daughter, but at the same time, a young girl. Like, he's not treating her like she's 18 years old. He's treating her like she's, you know, 12 or 13. So... I think it's his age. I think it's it has a lot to do with that power dynamic. Like the the oldest man in the room has the power. And that's usually me. Mm. Oh, in that case, it was Angel. <laughs> Here it's Giles. Yes, you are usually the oldest man in the room. So. <laughs> I strive to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the mayor's talking to Giles. So Giles, I love, th I love this. Honestly, like this is one of my favorite moments in this episode. And there's so many good moments. There's so many good lines in this episode, like the one we just heard from the mayor. Mm -hmm. Giles picks up the sword he was fencing with previously, and he stabs the mayor. He runs him through, which, of course, we know that's not going to do anything. That's not the point. The point is Giles is making it very clear where he stands. He's like, you are not welcome here. Please leave. Mm -hmm. um, but he's doing it, you know, in that characteristically understated way that British people do, right? He's not going to yell at the mayor and say, get out. He's just going to casually stab the mayor with a sword, you know, like <laughs> he, British people do. Was he forced to do this because he like because the mayor said, I'm going to eat Buffy? Or do you think that's what sparked it? Or was he always planning to stab him with that sword? Yeah, I think he was considering it, you know, from the beginning. And I think the Buffy, the, the comment was just kind of like what pushed him over the edge there, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, but Giles is just a little bit protective of Buffy. Just a bit. Yeah, just a little bit in his casual <laughs> sweater. Uh, the scene is jarring. It is. And like after he stabs the mayor, the mayor falls back. He's like, whoa, that was a little thoughtless. You know, and he has his like usual charm on. He's like violent out outbursts like that in front of the children. Like, you know, Mr. Giles, you they look to you to see how to behave. And as Buffy says, get out, the mayor cleans the sword with his own napkin or, or handkerchief. Because he doesn't and, like germs. Exactly. But the it's the music. The music is like off kilter. It's like a... And like, it's just, that's what makes this scene so jarring. It's just like, this guy just comes in here. Like, what's he going to do? He's just coming in here to gloat. But he's so fucking powerful. And like you said, he has all the power in the scene. And it's so obvious. That's why everyone's so tense. They're like, what is this guy going to do? He's impervious. 
The mayor says, I smell fear. That's smart. Some of your deaths will be quick if that's worth anything. And then he's like, well, and he throws the sword back to Giles who catches it. He says, see you all at graduation. You don't want to miss my commencement address. It's going to be one heck of a speech. And then he (laughs) walks out. Ooh, that was good. That was like the most like, whoa, scene that I think we've seen, I don't know, a long, long time. And like, you know, I don't want to ever give Joss Whedon too much kudos for things, but this was well done. Like, I'm like, if we're going to give him credit, give him credit for this. This is good. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, this is what I mean about season three just being really good, because the mayor is such an effective villain. He's won at this point. The Scoobies have no idea how to stop the Ascension. They've learned from Anya more details, but they're not any closer to defeating the mayor. Um, He's right to gloat. He's not like the master was always gloating prematurely. Right? He had, a, he had a huge, huge throbbing case of premature gloat. <laughs> throbbing. I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the mayor is entirely justified in his swagger here. I think that w- that's what makes him such an appealing villain in this series is he is a very competent villain. He has pulled off this scheme that he has worked towards for decades. And in this moment, right, he's not going to let a little blonde girl stop him. He's not going to let an upstart British librarian stop him. So that's the power of this scene is we're seeing in this moment, like for all that Buffy has done, you know, all that she's been through, all the evil she's defeated. She sent her boyfriend to hell. She doesn't know what she's going to do at this point. And of course, that's why she's not excited about graduation because she's got her enemy showing up at her door being like, ha ha, I've won. (laughs) Well, and like prematurely too. Don't you hate people who are like, I've already won. I haven't even played the game yet. You know, the cat that got the cream and can't stop licking its lips. (laughs) That's kind of his attitude right now. So Anya is walking through the halls and Xander's catching up to her. He's like, where are you going? And she's like, anywhere. If there's a lunar shuttle going up anytime soon, I'm on it. And Xander's like, we need you here. You might be able to help. And Anya's like, I might be able to live. You can't stop the Ascension, Xander. You were right the first time. The only thing any sane person can do right now is run. And she goes, and Cordelia shows up. And I love what Cordelia says here. She says, what's her saga? (laughs) And I'm going to start using that because that's really good. And <laughs> Sandra says she's freaking. The mayor's going to kill us all on, during graduation. <laughs> and Cordelia says, oh, are you going to fifth period? And Xander's like, thinking I might skip it. And she's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Cordelia, like, Xander just told her some very, what I would think is interesting information. Like, we're all going to get murdered tomorrow or the next day. And Cordelia's like, oh, okay. So you're not going to go to class? And this is what I mean. Like, Cordelia's checking out of school. A lot of people do this in the last couple of weeks of high school anyway, right? Like, just checked out. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not even here anymore. Well, and I think she's also kind of checked out of, like, you know, Xander's giving her this information that everybody's going to die. I don't think she's paying attention. I think that this is a typical, like, Cordelia has her little in- inner monologue. She didn't really care about what Anya's saga was. She was just asking. But now she's like, she's already thinking about what she wants. So when Xander said that, she she just filed that off as, Xander is talking right now. 
um, and waited for her turn to talk so that she could say what she was caring about, right? This yeah, is yeah, typical yeah. Cordelia behavior. I like that it's consistent because you're right. Like, just like in earshot, she probably was like, I don't see what this has to do with me. So she's like, you want to skip fifth period? You know what I mean? Um, but on yeah. the other hand, she's learned how to enter a conversation by asking a, a question and not insulting him. So there, so, hey. That's true. That is real gross. There we go. So we cut to the Summer's house. Joyce is catching Buffy packing a suitcase. And she's like, you're running away again. And it actually shook me to my core, Kara, because I was like, was it really this season? Was it really this season where we were dealing with Buffy running away? And it's so true. Like the first like six or seven episodes of this season, season three, was all about the consequences of Buffy leaving Sunnydale for the summer and then coming back. And I forgot, like it's been so long. It's been a journey. It's been a fucking journey since then. But Joyce calms down when she realizes that Buffy's packing her clothes, Joyce's clothes. And Buffy says she needs her mom to leave town tonight. Joyce is like, well, I don't want to miss graduation. I can't miss that. And Buffy's like, graduation is pointless ceremony where you sit around and listen to a bunch of boring speeches. Someone hands you a piece of paper that says you graduated, which you already know. And Maroon does nothing for my complexion. So don't argue with me. I like how Joyce's problem with Buffy packing a bag for her and telling her to get out of town is that she doesn't want to miss graduation. (laughs) And not like... Why are you telling me to get out of town? Right? It's like, that's your first question, Joyce, is why should I miss graduation? It's like, no, Joyce, you should be asking your daughter, like, why should I be leaving in the first place? <laughs> Maybe this is carryover from man candy. Because remember when it's like, mom, you can't do that. She's like, I can have candy if I want. Like, just... I want to see her for graduation. Maybe, right? Because we've been hinting that maybe Joyce has been doing something nefarious at her gallery. Maybe this isn't very, like, rare. Maybe Buffy is routinely like helping Joyce pack bug out bags <laughs> because Joyce has to like flee the, the the city for a couple of days until the heat dies down. <laughs> yeah, Joyce has like um, plans for escaping at all, in all different types of situations. And she's like, this is not the right suitcase for this particular event. Um, but Joyce says, she says, oh, is some terrible demon going to attack the school? Like it's a joke almost. And Buffy doesn't say anything. So Joyce is like, oh, Buffy, maybe I should have sent you to a different school. And I was like, Joyce, she's one day from graduating. <laughs> this, this, this is what you think now? <laughs> that you should have sent her to a different school? So Buffy says, um, just promise me that you will go far away from here. Joyce says, I'm not leaving you to face an awful monster. If I go anywhere, you're going with me. And Buffy says, you know, I can't. And Joyce says, then I can't either. And Buffy says, mom, I know that sometimes you wish I was different. And Joyce starts to deny it. And Buffy says, I wish I could be a lot of things for you. A great student, a star athlete, remotely normal, but I'm not. There is something I can do better than anybody else in the world. I'm going to fight this thing, but I can't do it and worry about you. If you stay, you'll get me killed. You have to trust me on this. Can you do that? So this is what I mean when I watch this episode. I did not remember that this happened. I didn't remember that she sent Joyce packing, right? I don't know where Joyce ended up going, but... um, I was like, this is really mature of Buffy. It's really interesting to see her do this for her mother. When before, like all the other apocalypses she's fought, she didn't think twice about warning Joyce, you know? Well, yeah, it shows how the relationship has changed, right? Because now that Joyce knows that Buffy's a slayer, part of this season has been both of them coming to terms with that knowledge. And we saw that in episodes like Gingerbread, where Joyce brings Buffy dinner in a bag. (laughs) Um, You know, she's trying to be supportive. And it's the same idea in this episode. It's like, 
Buffy's trying to take care of her mom. We've seen this role reversal where it's like Buffy has the weight of the world on her shoulders plus worrying about her mom. And Joyce, on the other hand, like she has the weight of being a parent on her shoulders and she's worried that her choices or her poor parenting has somehow put Buffy in this situation, which is not true. It's it's Buffy being the slayer, but that's hard for Joyce to accept because if Joyce accepts that, she also has to accept that her parenting doesn't necessarily have as much impact as she would like it to have. Although, you know, like, I think there's an argument to be made that the reason Buffy is not like Faith is largely because of Joyce's influence as a mom. So Mm -hmm. go Joyce. Go Joyce. And uh, Mm -hmm. like what you were saying earlier, if Buffy is truly thinking that she will die in her fight with the mayor, why would she want her mom around for that, right? So send her away. Goodbye, Joyce. I don't know. This is probably the last time we'll see you this season. So catch you in season four, I hope. Uh, In Willow's room, she's reading a spell book on her bed and Oz is at her computer. They're researching. Willow's getting very frustrated because she can't find a spell. And she says, who am I kidding? I'm not going to find a spell to stop the ascension. I'm no witch. I can't even turn poor Amy back into a person. Amy the rat she's talking about. And Oz is so funny because he's like, well, you have a swinging habit trail going. So I think Amy's in a good place emotionally. (laughs) And Willow thinks that Oz is just making jokes, right? She's like, can you pretend to care? And Oz is like, you think I don't care? And Willow says, "I I think we could all be dead in two days and you're being ironic detachment guy. And Oz says, would it help if I panicked? And Willow says, yes, it'd be swell. Panic is a thing people can share in a times of crisis. And everything's scary now. And I don't know what's going to happen. And there's all sorts of things they're supposed to do after graduation. I was looking forward to doing them. And she's like spitting out, right? And Oz shuts her up by kissing her really passionately. And Willow says, what are you doing? And he says, panicking. And then they keep kissing. And the music gets really like, and they lie down. And uh, could it be, could this be Willow and Oz having sex for the first time? Yeah, that was going to be my question, right? Is like, are we supposed to read this scene as they've now had sex? Yes. We (laughs) never see Oz and Willow be passionate about anything. That is one takeaway I've taken from this rewatch is that Oz and Willow, uh, like just there, there isn't enough of them for me. I don't feel this as hard as I used to because I used to just fantasize about probably this scene, right? And like little scenes where like they're being cute together. But the majority of the season was not Willow and Oz. Oz is incredibly underutilized in this season, despite being a series regular, right? Like his relationship with Willow is not developed the way it should be. You know, we had the whole cheating storyline and then they got back together but it's it's just he's just always been hanging around and we really like I miss the moments from earlier in the season when Willow would talk to Buffy and we'd get the girl talk and Willow's like, oh, he's so sweet and I'm like really into him and stuff. We're not getting that right now. And, and it, yeah, I agree with you. Like if if I have to criticize season three, right, because I've been going on about how great it is in this episode, this would be one of my criticisms is that. Willow and Oz's relationship just doesn't work super well. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed in this. Like, I'm really happy that we're getting this moment, but I'm like, where has this passion been all season? It hasn't been there at all. So I'm not feeling this the way I used to, which sucks. But I will say, and I know some people dislike it. Some people don't like this trope where someone's freaking out. Usually the girl's freaking out or she's angry about something. 
and then the guy kisses her and then it's it's all good. Some people don't like that trope because, you know, it's not like the person's consenting and it's a way to shut up women, blah, 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 blah. I happen to love this trope. So as far as kisses go, some of my favorite kisses in TV shows like this one happen in this type of trope <laughs> where where the guy just kisses her. And I think it's romantic I, I, and cute. So I do not consent to anybody kissing me for the record. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, me either, usually. But if I'm like gonna die and I'm freaking out at my rock star boyfriend and he just like kisses me like that, you know what? <laughs> and then it's followed by some like what we can only assume is coitus. <laughs> then I'm into it. But we're it. missing the bow chicka wow wow. That's how I. That's how I know that people in TV have, are having sex. You're right. Maybe they didn't want us to really know until later. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear. As soon as they laid down, it's like, yep, they're going to do it. Oz, Oz doesn't lose his soul. I thought that's what happens when you have sex in the show. Well, I mean, that's a spoiler, I guess. Like, maybe he lost it and he's just really good at playing it down. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the other thing is, have we forgotten Oz is a werewolf? Like, yes. that really hasn't come up in a while. <sighs> yeah. So, th- I mean, that is my gripe with this season. I just, I like, there hasn't been enough of this. They should have been making out like this and doing it since they got back together in amends. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, good for them. Uh, Buffy is in Lester's apartment and Angel is coming in, but he trips. I rewound it. I rewound it. I thought it was really funny (laughs) because he trips in and Buffy's just like stealthy. (laughs) And he's like, oh yeah, uh, not my best entrance. Uh, They must have mopped the balls. (laughs) Love it. So Angel had checked in with Giles and Giles told Angel to go meet Buffy here so he could back her up. And Buffy says she's not worried about running into Faith because it's going to happen sooner or later. So what Buffy has done is she's found uh, a report on excavation of some old lava bed and that the professor was a volcano was a volcanoologist or something. <laughs> and she's going to bring all the contents of this box back to Giles so that he can figure it out. And Angel says, well, let me give you a hand. And he takes the box. And as they walk out into the street, Buffy's like, you know what? I can take it from here. And Angel's like, well, I can walk you. Like, I can walk you back to school. And Buffy's like, I don't need an escort. I'm a big girl with superpowers. I don't need you crowding me. And Angel's like, I didn't think I was. (laughs) And Buffy's like, no, of course you don't. You just show up at prom and then you disappear into the ozone. For all I know, you left town. And Angel says, are you mad at me for being around too much or not enough? And Buffy says, duh, yes. <laughs> Such a girl response. I know, I know. I actually really enjoyed the scene. Oh, yeah. Angel's like, I don't get you. <laughs> and Buffy's like, no, you don't. Not anymore. She, he asks her if she's making this harder to make it easier on, on herself. And Buffy says, can we stop with the brain teasers? And I was like, Buffy, you are giving the brain teasers. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy's like, she wishes it was just over. This is my last office romance. I can tell you that. Lies. Lies. But this is the thing, Buffy. Um, a, let us be a lesson to everybody, okay? Do not shit where you eat. Office romances in general are not good ideas. So Angel says, you want me out of your face? And he drops the box on the ground and starts to leave. And of course, Buffy doesn't want him to go. She just wants to like him to stand there so she can yell at him. So she's like... Isn't this even a little hard for you? And Angel says, how could you ask me that? Just because I'm not acting like a brat doesn't mean I don't feel anything. That's not the right thing to say, Angel. So Puppy says, it's nice to know what you think of me. (laughs) 
And Angel's like, what do you expect me to say when you just attack? True, true, Angel. And Buffy says, I can't do this anymore. I can't have you in my life. When I'm trying to... Angel is shot with an arrow straight through the chest. All right, you you can't have him in your life. Message received, Buffy. Buffy, take it back. Undo it. Undo it. Um, okay, I just before we get into what just happened to poor sweet Angel, uh, I love this conversation. It's it's the post the uh, the after breakup. Like you run into your ex and you're not over each other. Not yeah. enough time has passed, but you got to be around each other because you chose to have an office romance. It sucks. No one's happy about it. And to be honest, Buffy is being a brat. Like, she's being really unreasonable. But I, I get she, it. she should, like, she deserves to be, honestly. That's what I'm saying. I get it. I understand why she's being that way. Hey, I've been there. I can be petty. <laughs> oh, I, I want to hear more about this after the episode, <laughs> Steph. I want to hear about your torrid office romance. <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's more that, like... You just you just can't help it. Like you you want to be petty. It's like I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go like Marianne's trench low because you Ooh. hurt me, and I'm gonna just I don't want you to help me, but I want you here. And if you leave, I'll cry. But if you're staying here, I'm gonna be mad. So it's, it's a whole bunch of emotions here. And I think Angel. I don't like that he called her a brat, but he did call her out to be like, yo, like I'm just here to like help. I'm just here to well, help it, you. It's like it's like season one Angel. He's reverted to being the fuckboy who shows up when he thinks she needs help with something and yeah. then disappears, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, I don't want this. But like, he's like, can the mayor just ascend already so I can like leave? <laughs> Let you get on. He wants her to get on with her life too. Well, he's got to sell the mansion first, right? Like that kind of real estate deal takes time. <laughs> yeah, he's working a, a deal out with uh, Joyce because Joyce was really interested in the size of that mansion. <laughs> so anyway, oh my God, my poor, sweet, sweet, sweetheart angel has been shot through the chest he collapses and buffy's like angel and um <laughs> we look up and faith is on top of a building and she has shot angel with an arrow and she's standing with a vampire and the vampire says you miss the heart and she says meant to Ooh. so this is the entire reason that a couple of episodes ago, Faith shot that courier with an arrow. Just so that it was like foreshadowing that, okay, Faith can use a bow. We've established this. So when she shoots Angel in a couple of episodes, it's not going to come, you know, out of thin air. True, true, true. Although the arrow does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, arrow foreshadowing. So in the library, Buffy and Giles are removing the arrow from Angel's chest. And ooh, Angel's chest. So Giles takes it out from the back. And I really like this because Buffy counts down. She's like, all right, on three, one. And then she rips it out. And Angel's like, I knew you were going to do that. That's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> I love it. And um, Angel's like, yeah, I heal pretty fast. I'm a vampire. I feel, heal, heal pretty fast. I'm a vampire, by the way, if you didn't know. Did you guys know? This is now a good time to tell you that this won't kill me. <laughs> so Buffy says that she's glad Faith is a suck shot. <laughs> and um, Wesley is reading the research that Buffy brought. And she, he's saying that Lester, sweet Lester, headed an expedition in Kauai, digging through old lava beds near a dormant volcano. And they found something underneath, a carcass buried by a large eruption. It could have been some heretofore undiscovered dinosaur angel says demon and jowl says well this info 
the mayor would want to keep secret. Hmm. Because if the same kind of demon he's turning into is dead, it means he's only impervious to harm until the ascension. In his demon form, he can be killed. And Buffy's like, well, great. So all we need is a million tons of burning lava. We're saved. And Angel is like being positive, but he's really shaky on his feet. Very strange. All of a sudden, Angel says, damn, and collapses. And I don't know how much time has passed, but Giles is inspecting the arrow that they pulled out of Angel's sexy chest. And he's like, we got to run some tests on this arrow. And Angel is burning up. He's got a fever. He says his shoulder is numb. He's like, it's poison. I can feel it. And Giles says, call the others for help and move Angel to his bed. Yay, his bed before the sun comes up. And Wesley says, the, you know, the council, the council has all the known toxins on file. So he'll contact them immediately. Buffy says, thanks. And she tells Angel he's going to be okay. Cut to Will and Oz. They're in bed together naked because they definitely had sex. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. And it's cute. It's very cute. He's stroking her hair. She's babbling. And she says, I feel different. And uh, you know how much I hate that. That was my oh, no, right? Is it's like, (laughs) oh, okay. Let's linger on this for a while. Here we go again. Like, I'm not against Willow and Oz having sex. Like, it's cool if they think it's time. But it's like, this scene to me, like, just the whole way that they do this, it's like, like, can we instead have conversations about how losing your virginity should not be, like, it shouldn't even be, a th- like, losing your virginity. Like, you've lost it. Oh, my God. Like, it's, no, it's like, yes, Willow has now had sex for the first time. What does that even mean, right? Sex doesn't have to be, like, PNV intercourse. So it's just like, I, I understand this is asking too much from a show in the 90s, but it's the the treatment of this is so ham-fisted that I feel <laughs> sorry for the message that it sends to teenagers. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, you know, you see our recap of Innocence season two, where we did talk a lot about this, but like this is a little bit different because Willow and Oz are processing her losing her, quote, virginity, end quote, together, right? They're in bed and she's saying like, you know, I feel different. I guess that makes sense. Like, do you feel different? Oh, no, you've already had sex. So you're probably no, no big change for you. But it was nice. Was it nice? Should I be quiet? So I think it's cute, the babbling in that like Willow is just kind of talking out loud and Oz is just like grinning because he loves her so much. He's just listening to her talk. But you're right. Like, I like, can you feel different after you've had sex for the first time? Feeling different and maybe she feels closer to Oz, which uh, fucking about time, Willow, because I've been wanting you to feel close to Oz all season. That could be what she means. But we know, we know the show is saying there's a before and after you have sex for the first time. So she's like, I'm different. I'm a woman now. And that makes me so bad. To be fair, I will say that the show didn't just do this with the female characters because we did have Xander a few episodes ago in the Zeppo, quote unquote, lose his virginity mm-hmm. to Faith. Mm-hmm. And he was also freaking out about it. So I will say, like, at least the show hasn't super gendered this whole idea. It's like, yes, even Xander was <laughs> uh, like, I feel different after losing his virginity. No, so. That's sex. Well, this is the thing. Like, uh, Maybe I shouldn't be the one to judge who feels different after what experience you have. You know what I mean? I just don't like the emphasis it puts on virginity being that big before and after in your life. Yeah, I I would have liked to see the scene after this scene where it's like they're out of bed, right? And they're doing stuff together and we're seeing that, you know, okay, they've had sex, but that is just one 
layer to their closeness, yeah. right? But of course, we're not going to see that because they're making eggs um, together or something, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, anyway, um, Oz says um, everything feels different. So, together, I, I'm going to choose because I want to like this couple more than I currently do. I want that to be that they have now elevated their relationship to the next level and they're happy about it. So they're kissing and then the phone rings, Willow answers it. They're like, we got to go. The mayor is carrying the box of Gavrock to his desk and Faith is telling him that, you know, Angel went down, Buffy was in a panic, it was a good time. And the mayor says, good, she'll be occupied by that spell for now and he's going to do the ritual and he's going to ingest several of the inhabitants of this box. Ingest, says Faith. Faith doesn't know what ingest means. Remember, Faith is dumb. <laughs> Faith is a dumb Sorry, sex I'm, addict. I'm joking, but yeah, like this has been the portrayal of the whole season, right? Faith is not as smart as Buffy. She's not as well educated. It's like, we get it, okay? Yes, yes, yes. And um, you and I have already said that that box really only has 15 spiders in it. So, <laughs> so he's... Yeah, he, I, I appreciate the clarification. He does say he has to ingest some of the inhabitants, Good. not all 50 billion of them. Because as we were saying, and I think somebody actually like did the math for us and was like, that, yeah, that was a really, that's like, like lost, 150 years. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that he, you know, he only has to eat like a smattering of them, I suppose, maybe until he's full. I, again, I don't really know the rules, but, you know, good for him. Like, I think he needs his fiber before the ascension. So. Well, he says so himself, right? Because he's laughing. And he says that later about the fiber. And he's he, so he's laughing at Faith, who says, you know, you're wicked gross when he tells <laughs> And let's forget. We also forget about Faith. Maybe everyone forgot that she's a sex-crazed idiot because <laughs> the show wants us to know that. But on the other hand, Faith is from Boston. So when she says, you know, you're wicked gross, I was like, is that a, is that a Boston reference <laughs> with no accent? So the mayor laughs, um, says, you know, go home, take it easy, big day tomorrow. And Faith is really like, you know, riled up. She's hungry and horny. And she's like, there's no way I'm sleeping. Don't you need anyone dead or maimed? And he's like, you're a firecracker. And Faith tells a story where she's like, my mom used to call me that um, when I was little because she'd always run around. And then she says, am I going to fight tomorrow? And the mayor says... Uh, if everything goes smoothly, you won't have to. But when, how often do things go smoothly? And Faith says, you'll still need me in there. And the mayor says, always. So Faith says a story about her mom. And then she confirms with the mayor that he still needs her. Because obviously her mom abandoned her or didn't need her. And I'm like, that's so sad. Like, I like this working of Faith's character here. Although I don't understand this part. Faith tells a story about how she she was the only brave kid to jump off a rock when she was young and the mayor is listening to her really intently through this and then he tells her to go get some rest and faith is like good luck with your spiders and leaves but i was like i don't i understand the mom reference but i didn't understand why the big rock jump story and what that was supposed to mean i think faith is trying to show the mayor that she's the, like she of all the people right buffy the scoobies she's the one that he can count on to take the quote-unquote leap of faith that she has to when he needs her, right? She's like, I was the only one who was brave enough to do this thing that looked really stupid and really dangerous. Nobody else was willing to take that leap. And she's like, I'm here for you. You know, I'm willing to follow you into hell itself when other people wouldn't. Good. I accept that answer. That <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> um, Willow and Oz and Xander are running trace analysis on this arrow. And Willow is sending Xander to the magic shop. And apparently... 
you just gotta say Willow's name, and they give you ingredients for free at this time. At this point, I don't know if they're giving ingredients for free. I think what she means it's like they know her by name, and she has a tab with them, right? Mm. She's gonna have to pay later. Okay, but okay. yeah, it's like okay, like Willow is deep enough into magic at this point. She's a regular. That she's yeah, she's a regular customer of the magic shop, and that's really interesting, right? And I wonder how her mom feels about it at this point because Sheila, <laughs> yeah, like you know, half a season ago. Uh, Willow had to talk to her mom about how she was a servant of the Dark Lord Satan, and her mom was not very happy about this. It's like, does your mom know that you're going to the magic shop all the time? Her mom probably went right back to ignoring Willow like she always does. Willow didn't even bother to send her mom away for graduation the way Buffy did. She's just like, die, That's mom. That's true. <laughs> oh, ooh. So uh, in the hallway as Xander's leaving, Anya approaches him. And he's like, oh, I thought you'd be in Aruba by now. And Anya says she's leaving and her car is just outside. I'm going to stop right there because I, I, I asked this before, Kara. Where is Anya living? Where is she getting her income? How is she feeding herself? She was living next door to Faith in that motel this entire time. <laughs> like when she created her like grade 12 persona, did she also give herself like a home? <laughs> That she can just you know go back to conveniently. It's very. This confusing. is a really good question. <laughs> Someone. I want to see what our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> please write in with your hot states. Where was Anya living? How is she like surviving? Yeah, what's going on? And she has all these cute clothes and prom dresses. What's going on? So anyway, Anya wants Xander to come with her, and she says, you know, we could get in the car and drive. No, one, no one will miss us. Take turns driving. Keep each other awake. You're gonna die if you stay here. And Xander's just like, I guess I might. And Anya says, when I think that something bad could happen to you, I feel bad inside, like I might vomit. And Xander says, welcome to the world of romance. And this is so strange for Xander, who's like so smug and confident in dealing with Anya. And like you said earlier, he wasn't before with all these other girls. And maybe he learned something from Cordelia and Willow. I don't know. But I can't help but think that he just thinks less of her because she was a demon. Like he thinks that she's below him. And that's why he's able to just talk so bluntly to her. And like say that to her. Like, oh, you obviously have very strong feelings for me. Like that's romance. Like, all of a sudden, he's, like, the master at all because he cheated on Cordelia with Willow? Like, no, I think it's because he actually doesn't think of Anya as a real person. That's interesting. Um, I'm willing to be a little bit more generous um, when reading this scene. I'm willing to give Xander some credit for standing up to Anya here. Because I think this does show that, at his core, for all of his flaws, Xander is loyal. He is loyal to his friends, to his family, to his people here in Sunnydale. And what we're seeing is, like, I think you're right that he doesn't necessarily see Anya as fully human because she's not, right? Like, she's been a vengeance demon for the past thousand years. And that's what this scene is demonstrating is this is the gulf between her and Xander, despite the fact that she has taken on this mortal teenage high school girl persona she doesn't understand what it's like to have a human connection to other people to the point where you would stand next to them and, if necessary, die for them. So for her to make this suggestion to Xander feels callous because, you know, she doesn't understand why somebody would sacrifice themselves for another human being. And what we're seeing in this scene is for all that Xander has done and the harm that he has caused, he is willing to do that. And there is a heroic element to that. Mm -hmm. People have always said, since we started the podcast, 
Xander is loyal, Xander is brave, and I think this is an example of how he is those things. I just can't help but think that, like, we know that Xander has a hate for well, demons in general. When Xander chooses to let loose on somebody, he can be quite harsh, mm-hmm. right? And, and that is true in this scene, too. Like, when, when Xander has decided that you deserve his ire, uh, he he's like Cordelia. He doesn't pull his punches. He can be a mean person. So that aspect is present in this scene. He, he tells Anya what he thinks of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that must be hard. I guess what I'm saying at this point is because we have seen so little of Anya and what we've seen of her has been creating an alternate dimension and then trying to get back to that dimension and therefore sucking an alternate willow into this dimension. And just like like everything we've seen of Anya so far, I'm not really going to sympathize with her at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So like. You know, you, congratulations, Josh Whedon. You forced me into sympathizing with Xander. You know? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I know. I'm like, just because now I see Anya, she's like begging Xander. She doesn't understand her feelings. I'm already sympathizing with this character because I'm like, man, this sucks for her. She doesn't understand. I'm, 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 no, I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. I know. Maybe we'll get there. I'm, I'm seeing her as like, you know, a foreign exchange student who just doesn't understand this culture, you know? Uh, Anya saying, this is horrible. No wonder I used to get so much work. <laughs> and Xander apologizes for giving her barfy feelings. And again, Anya asks Xander to come with her. And Xander says, no, I have friends on the line. And Z- Anya's like, so? <laughs> And Xander's like, humanity, this humanity thing is still a work in progress for you, isn't it? And then this is what you mean, uh, Cara, where Anya just says, like, how are you really going to help them? Like, you'll probably just get in the way. And Xander says, your stock's plummeting here, sweetheart. And Anya says, fine, you know what? I hope you die. And Xander goes, and then Anya's like, are are we going to kiss? <laughs> it is funny. Like, yeah, I like scene, this scene. It's scene. a very funny scene. I love the writing. I just... Yeah, I, I'm on Xander's side. Oof, feels weird saying well, that. Well, you're on Xander's side. I was just confused. I'm like, how? Like all of a sudden, he's so suave and confident. It could only be because he doesn't think very highly of Anya at all. And I'm like, is that because she was a demon and did all this terrible stuff? Or, you know, or is it just because he feels power over her and can treat her like that? I don't know. Buffy is giving a shirtless, sweaty, throbbing angel sponge bath in his bed. <laughs> And Do you need a moment? I well, he's in pain, so no. But like, she's kissing his hand. She loves him so much. I wish they didn't break up. It's terrible, but it's also awesome that she's helping him. So she goes out into the lobby area, the the, the living room. I don't know, fireplace room. Uh, Giles is waiting there, and Wesley comes in. And Wesley says he reached the council, but they couldn't help. And Buffy's like, couldn't. And Wesley says wouldn't it's not council policy to cure vampires not under any circumstances and he tried to convince them and buffy says try again and wesley says it won't go far we're talking about laws which have existed longer than civilization and buffy says i'm talking about watching my lover die and i will give points to buffy here for not saying watching my honey die (laughs) i was so worried she was gonna say that um buffy says i don't have a clue what you're talking about and i don't care and giles assures buffy that they'll find a cure and wesley says the council's orders are to concentrate on basically ascension and the mayor and buffy says orders I don't think I'm going to be taking any more orders. Not from you, not from them. And Wesley says, you can't turn your back on the council. And Buffy says, they're in England. I don't think they can tell which way my back is facing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good line. Yeah. And Wesley says, like, Giles, talk to her. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love that tone you use because that's literally, you know, Giles is like, she's, Wesley is like, she's being unreasonable again, Giles. Yeah. Like, He's like whining. Like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> and Giles, bless him, says, I have nothing to say right now. And he goes and sits next to Buffy. Oh, oh, the power move. I love it. And Buffy says, Wesley, go back to the council and tell them that until the next Slayer comes along, they can close up shop. I'm not working for them oh. anymore. Ooh. And Wesley says, don't you see? Faith poisoned Angel to distract you to keep you out of the mayor's way and it's working and we need a strategy and what buffy says i have a strategy you're not in it and wesley's like this is mutiny and buffy says i like to think of it as graduation damn mic drop right there love it love it and love giles in this tube so buffy says to Giles that she's going to go help the others research and Giles will have to like stay here and watch over Angel and Giles is like yep I'll give you a call if anything changes because Giles allegiance has been to Buffy ever since he quit the council right and I know like back in Helpless when he did the horrible thing and violated her and you know, broke her trust. You and I were like, it's going to take us a while to get over this. Yeah we're over it now. We're <laughs> over it. This is not the first time. There's been multiple times since Wesley showed up that Giles has taken Buffy's side. Right, and he's yeah. proven Giles that he's taken back. Yeah, yeah, and that you're right. It's it's about the proof, right? It's like Giles screwed up horribly, and when you screw up that much, uh, you need to make amends, and mm-hmm. you need to do it in a genuine way. And I don't think there's anything more genuine than Giles has literally given up his livelihood because that that the council is paying him. I kind guess of. he's getting a little bit of money from high school, but like. You know, he's, he's given up his whole calling as a watcher to side with Buffy. And like you said, he has been there for her every step of the way since then. Mm-hmm. So I think he's genuinely shown his willingness to change. And that, to me, is the core of any apology, any redemption, is showing your sincerity for making up for a mistake. And people are, are free to disagree with us and be like, oh, you know, what he did was unforgivable or, you know, we're not there yet. I get you. Um, but I think that he's at least trying, which is what you want. But I, al- I also want to draw attention to the fact that Giles is being asked in this moment to take care of Angel, who last season <laughs> tortured him after killing his lover, Jenny. And this demonstrates the depth of Giles's affection for Buffy. Mm-hmm. He is willing to put aside his personal feelings towards Angel. And literally, like, nurse Angel while Buffy is gone and take care of Angel in the mansion where he was tortured by Angelus because Buffy has asked him to. And Giles knows where his priority lies. But I wanted to acknowledge this because of the weird and twisted history between Giles and Angel slash Angelus. It's like, what's going on through Giles' mind right now? You know, he must be suffering to some extent. And... It's really nice to see that he is able to put that to the side and help Buffy because he knows this is what she needs. Yeah. That's like fatherly love. Ah, Giles. Giles, Giles, Giles. So so as Buffy's walking out um, past Wesley, Wesley says, you don't know what you're doing. And Buffy says, get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And leaves Wesley looking shook. So... 
Willow is in the lab telling Buffy that the it's a po- the poison's mystical, okay? And the Latin name translates to killer of the dead, and it's used on vampires, and there's been no instances of it being cured, just vague accounts. But just as she says that, Oz finds the, the cure. <laughs> and he's like, um, one vamp walked away, but, ooh, ooh, and then Willow reads over the shoulder, his shoulder, and she's like, ooh, ah, and Buffy's like, what? And I really like this <laughs> quote really from Xander. Yeah. Xander's just like, come on, guys, the suspense is killing Angel. <laughs> okay, Xander, wait a minute, you hypocrite. You were not concerned about this last season where you intentionally didn't tell Buffy about Willow trying to put Angel's soul back and let her go off to kill Angel. And suddenly you're Mr. You know, and earlier in this season, you like helped Faith go after Angel, even though you knew he still had his soul at this point. Like suddenly you're concerned for Angel's health. (laughs) I'm sorry, Xander. I'm sorry. You're, you're undoing the goodwill that you earned in your previous scene from me. Also, can we, um, like, I know it's a little bit ahead of us, but later when Xander's talking to Buffy, trying to talk her out of going after Faith. It's like, what happened to kick her ass, right? Like, didn't you say that this episode last year? Like, when it was about destroying Angel? So maybe he is also not caring about saving Angel by telling Buffy not to go and get Faith, you know? Who can say? But yeah, I, I like that line from him. But like, it's just Xander and I just can't with Xander. So... Oz says that the only way to cure this thing is to drain the blood of a slayer. And Buffy says, good. No, it's perfect. Angel needs to drain a slayer, then I'll bring him one. And Willow says, Buffy, if Angel drains Faith's blood, it'll kill her. And Buffy says, not if she's already dead. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. So... Lots of things to say here, but first we're going to cut to Willow and Oz looking up Faith's apartment on the computer because apparently the mayor probably leased her you just, under... You, you Google Faith's apartment. Faith's apartment, Sunnydale. I, my <laughs> suspicion is they tracked the purchase of PlayStations and that's how they figured ah, it out. Ah, that's so brilliant. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Like First they're like, we'll see if he charged the apartment to the city, but then we'll look into PlayStation <laughs> purchases uh, in Sunnydale. And Oz is, is playing with Willow's hair while they do that. And like Willow gets turned on because she's, you know, now she's a woman according to this I show. Mean, we already know that physical touch is Willow's love language, right? Because we saw that when she was doing the unspeakable things we won't talk about with Xander. And they were like intertwining their legs and touching each other stop bringing that up it makes sense like willow want i'm sorry stephanie it makes sense willow wants to be touched by oz yeah but Um, also i'm glad she's letting oz be the one to touch her now and she's getting all horny off of oz this is how it should have been this whole time I, i just want i have a theory here about wesley i think he is the one who told Buffy that the council wasn't going to help. Like, don't get me wrong. I believe the council wasn't going to help either way. But I think, I don't think Wesley's ignorant. I think he knows exactly what this poison is. He learned, the council was like, yep, this this is the poison. Here's the cure. Of course, we're not going to do that. And Wesley's like, oh, ha ha. No, of course not. Right? Like, I think Wesley, he's not just a stooge of the council. He is complicit. He knows how to cure Angel. And he has chosen to withhold that information. Ooh, hot steak. Yeah, I'm saying this because I think it's important for us to parse how I don't think Wesley is just following orders. I think Wesley is following orders because he also believes in that council's mission and believes in his sense of duty. And that's the contrast between him and Giles. Wesley has never been a part of the Scoobies. He has never chosen to put his loyalty to the council below 
his commitment to this group. And, you know, people can make the argument that the Scoobies weren't very welcoming to him and therefore why would he do that? And I, I get that and that's a valid argument, but it's also just like, you know, I think it's important for us to recognize that Wesley is hiding behind the authority of the council. He doesn't have the the courage to stand up for his convictions and say, I am not going to help you. He's He was pretending to be helpful, basically. He knew the council was never going to help him, but he pretended to because he was hoping, you know, it would make him seem like an ally. And I, I want to be critical of Wesley in this moment because his whole arc in this, you know, season has been bringing us to this point. Mm. Um, and for anybody who's watched Angel, right, like Wesley goes through a lot of development, but I think we see foreshadowing mm. of where Wesley ends up on Angel at the, the very end of Wesley's appearance on that show um, in these early moments in season three of Buffy. That's a really good point. I like that a lot. And I think it also, I mean, we saw hints of this already in Choices. Remember, he was the one that was like, for the greater good, y'all. Like, let's just yeah, kill exact, Willow for the greater exactly. good. So, yeah, for sure, this is He's a continuation. always being that pragmatist, mm. yeah. So Buffy is arming herself. Oh, yeah. So Buffy's arming herself with weapons as Willow and Oz play hair footsies. And Xander, this is what I'm talking about earlier. Xander is admitting that he's playing devil's advocate. Usually he just does it, but he's saying it right aloud here. And he's saying, um, are you up for this? And Buffy says, we can't play kid games anymore. This is how she wants it. And Xander says he doesn't want to lose her. And Buffy says, I won't get hurt. And Xander says, that's not what I mean. And Buffy's just like, just get me the address. So here again, I just want to point out like maybe Xander's doing this because he doesn't care, actually care if Angel's cured at all. He does care about Buffy, though, and he wants Buffy to not go off the deep end the way Faith did. But here's where I need to ask the question. Everyone's so chill that Buffy's going to go kill Faith. Like, Willow and also are like, yep, we'll get you the address. And Xander's like, eh, I don't know about this, but like, okay. Um, you guys, like, you guys flipped out over Faith accidentally murdering Alan Finch. And you were worried that it was going to change her. And you all called her a murderer right away. So, like, this should be a bigger deal that Buffy, your leader is going to go murder this person. So do you really hate Faith that much? Like, do you think she deserves to die? Willow does. Yeah, Willow does. (laughs) Yeah, Willow Willow hates Faith that much. We'll talk about that in the season three wrap-up in Faith on Trial, I'm sure. Yes. This is a great point, Steph. I agree with you that the show is so eager to set up Buffy as the righteous hero, saving her lover from certain death the only way she knows how, you know, and it's so eager to set up this confrontation between Faith and Buffy where one of them walks away and the other one dies. And I understand why the show does that because there is an element of tragedy to it. But I agree with you that there isn't enough examination of the moral consequences mm. of Buffy's decision here. I think that's what Xander's supposed to be doing in this scene, right? He's like, I don't want to lose you, but, you know, not in that way. It's like, I don't want to lose your your humanity. He just doesn't do a very good job. And you'll notice Giles isn't here. Giles isn't here to be the voice of reason being like, are you sure you want to kill <laughs> This is rash. This is rash. We'll find another way. This actually ties in really well to what you had said in the prom uh, recap, Kara, that when Angel and Joyce are talking about Buffy and saying that Angel should be the one to break up with her because Buffy is not 
rational in her love for Angel, not just because she's young and in love, but because Buffy has been through so much in her life and she doesn't think the way they think. Like, you know, she's not forward thinking in that she doesn't think she's going to live a long life, but Joyce and Angel do. They have hope that she's going to live a long life. So this is just proving that point that Buffy does not think rationally when it comes to Angel because you're like, like this is a really big deal. She's going to go murder this girl when earlier this episode, she says, I can't do that. I know I can't. I'm not, I'm the moral one. I don't make life or death choices, even as the slayer. It's not the hero I am, but Angel's hurt. Angel's dying of poison. And she just like, yeah, I'm going to kill Faith. I'm going for it right now. She didn't even think about it. She didn't even hesitate. So here's a question. Do we think that this might be justifiable in the sense that faith is the one who shot angel and poisoned him so like for example if another enemy had poisoned angel and the solution was to kill faith i would say no way like that's that's not justifiable but the fact that faith is the one who attacked angel is this self-defense in a way i'm gonna say yeah <laughs> like i like i don't know personally i mean i i like the whole way that we can debate the moral code here but personally i think tit for tat man like faith you stepped in it okay you want to you want to dance let's dance is what i'm thinking yeah (laughs) because basically it's like if we if we recontextualize it if faith and angel were fighting to the death you know they were having a, a physical confrontation i think buffy would be justified in stepping in to defend angel and if she happened to kill faith during that fight you know she was fighting faith so, you know, it's the same kind of thing is Faith has attacked Angel. So Buffy is defending Angel. Um, but I'm with you that it's a very thorny moral situation. Um, it could go a lot of ways. Very curious to hear what our listeners have to say. And we have, we have so much to dive into for Faith on Trial. I'm, oh, I know. I have no idea how that's going to go. I just um, It's just so fascinating to me that the Scoobies are just like, all right, this is the plan. And like, no, like usually this would be a huge Scooby discussion, right? This would be a big yeah. library fight with Xander being the devil's instead, advocate. We, uh, we go to a montage. I love me a good montage. You know how much I love oh, montage. Montages are the best. They're the best. And so we see Faith boxing because like you said earlier, she's, you know, hungry and horny and... and <laughs> This is what she needs to do. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she was doing a couple of other things earlier that the network wouldn't let them show. Mm-hmm. And we got Buffy preparing in her own way because you got to wash your face <laughs> yeah. before you go out and, cleansing, and kill somebody. Cleansing her face. Uh-huh. Um, cleansing yeah. Her you know, she's probably using like a, a three-step cleanser and, and moisturizer and stuff. Maybe Buffy just got a deal with Neutrogena that weekend Oh. and was filming yeah. a commercial real quick. Or, or what's that one that you always see on late night TV that's like, it cleared up my acne. Like proactive <laughs> or something? Proactive. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Angel sweating away in his bed. Shirtless. And then Willow, finally, you know, she's hacking away, doing the hacker thing. And she's like, got it. You know, it's like, yeah, go for yeah, go, go Willow. I Googled Faith apartment. It came up. <laughs> Faith checked in. <laughs> Damn location services. She just left a Yelp review at this restaurant. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's Faith, you know. She always leaves a Yelp review. <laughs> And then she lies in her bed and reads comics with her shoes on, the monster. So that, 
that's where Faith is. Not only did she blare the music before reading comic right? books. Right? I was thinking about that when I was watching. I'm like, are there no neighbors in these apartments? Because since when have you been allowed to play music that loud and not have at least one person complain? I think she has the penthouse. That's why I, that's why I think the apartment's so big. But also, yeah, she probably has the, the space. Also, and is, maybe this is the old lady in me saying this. That music's too loud. <laughs> it's like, it's too loud for one person in Get a room. Get your hair out of your face. Turn down that rap music. Yeah, um, it is loud. I think it's just there's a. I know there's a lot of jokes that they make about Faith's sanity, and I don't like them. I don't think that's fair. It is kind of wild that not only is she wearing her boots on the bed and reading, but she had to blare music while she like, read. She she is she's evil at this point, right? Like this is just sides of her evilness. We're totally justified in killing her because she plays her music. Too loud. <laughs> this is some like master level shit that's happening here. So <laughs> thank God Buffy turns the music off. She has some sense. Oh, finally. Um, can we pause for a moment and talk about what Buffy's wearing? Yeah, her leather red pants are iconic. Right? Yes. Like, clearly, like, this is the moment. This, this is, is the moment. This is what this she whole is season has been leading to, is Faith versus Buffy. And Buffy's in those pants. And, oh, Buffy's looking deadly. Oh, she looks smoking hot. And, like, she's she came to slay, literally. She's like, I thought I'd stop by. Oof. Sarah Michelle Gellar, you're hot. You're hot AF. And Faith says, is he dead yet? <laughs> and Buffy says, he's not going to die. Good try, though. Your plan? And Faith says, uh-huh. And I was like, okay, Faith. Very doubtful that this is your plan, but okay. Um, he's like, the mayor got the mayor got me the poison. Says it was wicked painful. So there's another one. Wicked painful, right? Wicked gross. I was like, okay, you're from Boston. I get it. Buffy says, there's a cure. And Faith says, damn, what is it? And Buffy says, your blood ooh, and like faith's face gets super serious because she knows she's like, oh shit buffy's here with her red sexy pants on she's not here to have sex with me she's here to kill me and buffy says as justice goes it's not unpoetic don't you think and faith says come to get me you're gonna feed me to angel you know you're not gonna take me alive and buffy says no so faith says well Look at you, all dressed up in big sister's clothes. And they start pacing each other. And Buffy says that I was holding it all in. And Faith says, ready to cut loose? Buffy says, try me. <laughs> Faith says, okay then, give us a kiss. Because there's a lot of sexual energy flying around this penthouse, I'm telling you. <laughs> Buffy punches her. Faith punches Buffy and they start fighting. And it's a really long fight. Uh, we understand why the mayor got Faith the penthouse. It's because they wanted, he wanted Faith to have a lot of space to fight Buffy in the last episode. You need room for all the actors in their stunt doubles. Exactly, yes. exactly. So they're fighting, they're rolling all over the place. Um, it's pretty evenly matched for the most part, but Buffy's got a mission, right? They end up um, breaking a win the window and falling out onto the balcony, which isn't finished. And Buffy manages to handcuff them together. And I was like, Buffy, I don't know why you're handcuffing them together while you're fighting. Seems like a recipe for a broken wrist, she, in my opinion. She doesn't want Faith to run away, right? Because she, she knows, like, if Faith gets away, like, even if she's winning and Faith decides to cut her losses, if Faith gets away, it's, it's over. Like, Angel's done for. So Buffy at this point, you know, I think she's planning ahead. She's like, okay, like, the one thing I can't do is let Faith get away. Even if Faith lands more punches on her, even if Faith breaks her wrist... It's worth it if she keeps Faith literally chained to her 
so that she can bring Faith to Angel. Not only would I allow my wrist to get broken for Angel, I too would kill Faith <laughs> and feed her to him to keep him alive as wow. my as my lover, as Buffy called him earlier. Oh, my honey. Okay, we're learning a lot about you. <laughs> I also okay, but like I know they have to drain the Slayer, but like you don't have to kill her, you know. Like I feel like you can drink a lot of the blood and she'd still live. I don't know. That's they seem to be saying that it's like you got to drink every last drop. <laughs> didn't say that but you know what i trust the textbook and oz so willow and oz are watching over angel as giles is researching the legend of olakai from the villagers near the volcano and he finds this book and it has a picture of the demon in it they it was just in the library the whole time you guys you just weren't looking through enough books and the page is folded over four times. So as him and Xander open it, they see how big the demon is going to be. And Xander <laughs> says, we're going to need a bigger boat, which is definitely a Jaws reference. So funny. Um, but I also like in this little scene, Xander also references that like, oh, it's a good thing we had this book in the library and no one checked it out. And <laughs> Giles is like, yeah. <laughs> and I like at the very, like the end of the high school era of this series, that's when they point it out. <laughs> funny it's very meta so the mayor has been eating spiders all night i guess um uh, he's probably on his sixth one and the vampire's watching him and the the mayor's like god what a feeling the power of these creatures it suffuses his being um he says he can he can feel the changes begin his organs are shifting merging making ready for the ascension plus the spiders are high in fiber what's the fun of being an immortal demon if you're not regular am i right <laughs> it's true true that true that so another vampire comes in and says, there might be trouble at Faith's. And the mayor's just like worried. And um, the mayor's worried, obviously, because he loves Faith as a daughter, as we can discuss in Faith on Trial. But also he's probably worried because he's like, oh, my God, have I already ran out of all the Asian vampires that I'm ever going <laughs> to <laughs> These two whiteies just oh helping me get around. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he also says one of another one of the best lines in the episode what we don't knock during dark rituals <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as the girls are fighting faith does manage to break the handcuffs and buffy asks what's wrong faith like all that killing and you're afraid to die and buffy pulls out faith's knife that she left behind in choices and faith says that's mine and buffy says you're about to get it back and i want to add that jesse on instagram remember in choices i was confused i was like i'm i'm sad i'm sad that that Faith lost her knife. Why is that? I didn't understand. She she actually explained my own feelings to me. And she's like, it's because Faith never gets gifts from anyone. Her mother probably didn't give her any. Her father's not around. Mm -hmm. So it was her first gift from her like father figure. And that's why she was sad. And I was like, mm, yes, yes, that's exactly what I was feeling. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so Faith is like, yo, that's mine. And I love when I love when Buffy says, You're about to get it back. Because the delivery of that line, Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, put her whole soul into it because she's saying it like, yeah, you're about to get it back. Like, she's a badass, but her voice shakes. Like, she's not quite sure this is what she wants to do because at the end of the day, Buffy's mm. not a murderer. But here it is. She has the knife out. Her lover's dying and she's going to kill Faith. But that delivery was so good. And... They fight on the edge of the rooftop, and Faith says, I'm going to miss this. And it's almost like Faith also knows that Buffy's about to kill her. And Buffy stabs her. Buffy stabs her in the gut, and they both look shocked. This is huge. This is huge. And Faith says, you did it. And she punches Buffy, who falls to the side, 
And Buffy's staring up at her and Faith says, you killed me. And as she looks over the ledge that she's standing on, there's a transport truck coming by. And she says to Buffy, won't help your boy, though. Should have been there. Be quite a ride. And she falls straight back onto the truck and presumably dies. And Buffy runs to the ledge and watches her drive off. And I was like, Buffy, either grab her before she falls, jump off and run after the truck. There's a lot of things she could have done, but she I think she was in shock. And we cut to black and to be continued. So, wow. Wow. What an action-packed episode. I, I want to mention that fall was not a soft landing on those pallets. That should have broken Faith's back. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I was like, well, she's not getting up, Buffy. You may as well have jumped off the roof too and chased it. But that's okay. She was in shock. She was like, yeah, I can't like, believe this. You don't need her. Yeah. You don't need her to be alive. You just need her body. Yeah, right? Like, so chase the truck. Jump onto that. <laughs> I, I guess it. I guess the truck was already gone at that point. Like, Fine. Yeah, I don't think Buffy could chase a truck, so... Yeah, so, I mean, ooh, what an action-packed ending. Like, uh, what a great cliffhanger. It's not my favorite cliffhangers of all time, but, like, this is a good one. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's very effective, right? Because we are now at the point where Mare's winning, but Faith is dead? Dead? Question mark? Uh, Buffy now has no hope of hearing Angel. Um... And yeah, the mayor's about to turn into a big demon guy tomorrow. So what's going to happen? Who's your hero, Steph? Um, I remember like at the end of Becoming, you saved your hero for like the next <laughs> episode. Oh, do you want to do that? I'm, I'm good with that because I had a lot of trouble picking my hero in this episode. So if you want to. Yeah, I was leaning it. toward Willow for like yeah. finally banging Oz. But like, you know what? Let's save it for the next one. Or you know what? Mine's going to be a continuation of Angel's Tux. From <laughs> from the problem. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I think the show wants us to see Buffy as the hero in this episode, but I feel like she's so Yeah, she's so morally gray. I don't feel right choosing her yeah, to be the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so. can't I can't. You know what? Giles was good. Giles was a good guy in that in that episode, That's right? True. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's go to hot our hot stakes. Our hot I like how you said awesome. that. Hot stakes. Uh our first one is from Audrey who wrote in about Doppelgangland and said, maybe a little late, but Kara was talking about the existence of separate universe created from the Wish and if it still exists. But Anya and Willow created a temporal fold. She wasn't trying to get her necklace from another universe, but another time. Those events happened in the past. It's just no one remembers them. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's anything with time travel and alternate universes. It's like, yes, it makes sense the way you're saying it, but it also doesn't. <laughs> it also doesn't. Because um, like... <laughs> What I was trying to get at, right, is it's like, if this is an alternate timeline, like, if it's still accessible, then that means that the Giles from that timeline is still moping around in his home being like, but I have to believe in a better world and, like, rocking back and forth, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Um, But I, I think, you know, I see your point is it's like, it's a temporal fold, so it's like, I guess there's a way to like it's temporary? access timelines, yeah, that don't exist in. I mean, quant like quantum physics speaking, you know, if we talk about like some over histories, I see. Yeah, it's weird. Time travel is weird because there's so many like it's theoretically possible to do in our universe. Like there there's there are ways to do time travel. Um, it's just both very difficult, and it seems like every time you attempt to do it. Like, even if you theoretically could manage to pull it off, the universe 
doesn't want it to happen basically um it's very fascinating to me but thank you for writing in with that audrey because you're, you're right it's like maybe i'm just overthinking well i mean to quote paul rudd in the avengers endgame so what black to the future was all a bunch of bullshit <laughs> i mean yes but that doesn't <laughs> that that doesn't mean it's not a good movie like <laughs> i mean the more realistic a time travel movie is that you don't want to watch it like i'm a doctor who fan, right <laughs> yeah. i want my time travel as unrealistic as possible <laughs> um our next hot stake is from roshin my headcanon is that cordelia is an uncalled potential slayer so you know the slayer line is pa- is passed on as slayers die new slayers are called um we saw that with kendra and then with faith so what roshin is saying is if you know faith were to die theoretically cordelia could be called as the next slayer which is an interesting idea Mm. and uh they say this idea first occurred to me when watching graduation day part two because of something that cordelia does there so we can talk about that in the next episode and roshin observes Although Cordelia often defaults to the damsel in distress role, we do on several occasions see her face down vampires and other demons through sheer force of personality. As far back as Prophecy Girl, when she bites a vampire's arm. Good times. uh, And Homecoming, when she literally shouts down Lyle Gorch. Thank you for reminding us, (laughs) Rasheen, of... Just how awesome Cordelia is. You know, I know we gave her her due in that episode, but yeah, like regardless of Cordelia being a potential slayer or not, I I like that we have these examples of unpowered characters like Cordelia and Xander standing up for what they believe in, even against these supernatural horses. Yeah. Cordelia is my hero in a lot of ways because she doesn't have what Buffy has in terms of power and still chooses to fight evil and still chooses to stand up and be brave. And that's great. But I can also totally see her as being a slayer. I think we had this conversation back in, you know, um, season one, Out of Sight, Out of Mind, when we talked about the, the potential of Cordelia and how her and Buffy are actually very, very similar in a lot of ways. So absolutely, Cordelia the Vampire Slayer is a, is a show I'd watch. <laughs> okay, so the last one is from Casey, who wrote in to talk about uh, Cordelia and Xander in Choices and a conversation you and I had, Kara. Casey disagrees. She says Xander was having a conversation his friend with his friends when Cordelia went out of her way to walk right in between them to start throwing insults every which way. Xander should not have brought up Willow at all, but Cordelia had no right to put down Willow's collegiate accomplishments. She definitely didn't have the right to put Buffy down, especially now that she knows everything about her being the Slayer. Season 1 to 2, Bully Cordy back in action, and I'm sad to see it. Yes, we find out that Cordelia is going through something, but we've always said that it doesn't give you the right to put others down. It's not an excuse. So yeah, you called Cordelia out on this, but I don't think you were hard enough on her, especially for what she said to Buffy. The entire exchange could have been avoided if Cordelia walked around them. The second exchange between Cordelia and Xander in the shop also should have been avoided, and shame on Xander. Such an asshole. See, I'm fair. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Casey, for keeping us honest here, you know, writing in when you disagree with us. We do appreciate our listeners sharing alternate points of view. And even when we disagree, it's like, hey, send us in your hot steak. And uh, it's always nice to see these different perspectives. So thanks for sharing 
those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And thanks everyone for your hot stakes. It's not too late to send us your thoughts for the season three overall or for Faith on Trial. So feel free to email us or message us on Instagram or on Twitter or wherever you follow us on social. And we want those hot stakes. And, and I will add, lately we've been getting like some hot stakes that are like very lengthy. And people have been apologizing for this. <laughs> and Yes, if you send us shorter, briefer hot stakes, it's much easier for us to read them out loud because we don't have to kind of wade through them and be like, okay, which parts are we going to share? Are there spoilers in this? Like, yes, it's on a practical level, briefer is better. But you never have to apologize to us for the length of your hot stakes emails because we love it. We love that you trust us enough to share your thoughts on Buffy. We love that you love this show as much as we do. So yes, keep keep the length down if you can, but if you just cannot help yourself, that's okay. Own it. Don't apologize for it. We read them, <laughs> whether they're long or short. Yeah, we that's read the them. other thing too. Is it's like <laughs> even if we don't share everything people say on on the air, like you know, we do we read and we try to respond as much as we can and talk about it with you. Yeah. So thank you for that. And if you want to have conversations with with people, come to our Prophecy Girls Discord, and there's lots of conversation happening about our podcast episodes, about Buffy and Angel, the series overall in general. So if, if you kind of are like, oh, I really want to have these discussions more in depth with people, there are places for that. It's prophecygirls.ca slash discord. Mm, I love that we're <laughs> at the end of season three and we have these these things, right. these things that we can talk to people and people are engaging. It's awesome. You guys are the best. We have a new Buy Me A Coffee supporter to thank. So thank you to Julian. Uh, Julian says, I became a fan of Buffy near the end of the original run. I had seen a few episodes, but I really started paying attention after reading articles and recaps on AfterEllen.com. My favorite major character is Willow, most of the time. (laughs) Favorite minor character is Clem. We haven't met Clem yet, but for those of you who are watching the show for the first time, uh, I think you're going to love Clem too, personally. I like Clem. Um, my favorite episode, he says, is a three-way between Doppelgangland, Hush, and Once More with Feeling. Those are the, the two we haven't seen yet are quite high-profile episodes. Uh, I use these three episodes with new friends who aren't necessarily interested in Buffy. Julian says, if you don't want to watch more after these, I will never bother you again. <laughs> and he says, it works all the time that's such a good question to ask ourselves right like if like what are the episodes you would show somebody who's never been a fan hush for sure yeah hush is quite unique yeah Yeah, it's like once more with feeling i feel like in the past maybe but musical episodes have become a thing now and i'm not sure if it has as a standalone i'm not sure if it has the same impact as a result Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't i don't have an answer off the top of my head but hush is definitely a good one uh, so thank you, Julian. Thank you to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters. We really appreciate uh, the support. You help us do so much with this show. And thank you especially to our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, and Kyle. Thanks, everyone. See you next week for the season finale. Oh, my gosh. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, 
head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.